Coming live from New York is our guest today morning. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you are watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Mark Hersberg, speaker, author, and MIT instructor. And we'll be talking about a lot of things about career and how to create a career plan and about his new book. So welcome to the show, Mark. Welcome to India. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for your time. And I see you are such a, you know, educated person. An MIT instru instructor, people generally think of just going to MIT and you uh, you have been teaching there for 20 years at MIT's Career Success Accelerator. And that is what we are a lot of interested in that to learn from you. And obviously you are an author and a speaker at many places. So Mark, today we'll be talking mostly about career. Career is something which almost everybody is, you know, concerned about, especially uh, after COVID and not after COVID, we are still within COVID. So a lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of people are looking at different avenues. The whole world scenario has changed. So we will be talking about how one can make a good career plan. Uh, first, tell me, Mark, from your experience, uh, why is a good career plan necessary at all? Well, let's think about other things we do in life. Let's just think about a project at work. If your CEO came up to you and said, this is a really critical project, you've got two years to get this done, what would you do? Would you sit there and say, well, okay, I guess I'll try my best and I'll see you in two years and let's hope I do it right. That is completely unacceptable. Your CEO wants to hear from you, okay, two years, this is important. What are we going to do? We're going to create a plan. We're going to have a timeline. We're going to have a project schedule. We're going to know where we are in the project. Now, we know when we create such a two-year plan, we're not going to get it right. And that's okay. We're not expecting you have to know every day what you're doing for the next two years, but have a plan and do regular check-ins and adjust the plan as you go. You don't have to get it perfect, but you're not just going to wing it for two years. Now, that's what we do at work. This is a surprise to no one. But if that's what we would do in our job, why is it that when we have a career, which isn't two years, but 20, 30 years or more, we just say, oh, well, I guess I'll wing it. Let's just hope I get there in five years. That is not an acceptable way to execute. So you want to create a plan because that greatly increases your odds of success. Right, right. And then... Uh... How does one go about, you know, creating a career plan? Let's come straight to that. It begins by understanding what you want to do. And we should even start with that question because not everyone knows what they want to do. Now, if you're not sure what you want to do, start by asking questions. I have a number of questions, not only in chapter one of my book, but they're free for download on the resources page of my website. And when you ask questions, sure, you can ask the obvious, do I want to be an accountant or a doctor? <laughs> That's a good one. But go deeper. Ask yourself, do you want a very structured job time-wise, where it's very nine to five and then nights and weekends are open? Are you okay with something that's more flexible? Are you okay with a job that might be 60, 70, 80 hours a week, as it is, for example, in investment banking or in law? 
And as you answer these questions, not necessarily about the job, do I want to be a doctor or an accountant, but about the lifestyle, about the nature of the job. Do you want to manage people or be managed? Do you want a job where you show up to the same office every day, or maybe now it's two or three days a week, versus being in the field and traveling a lot? And as you answer these questions, you start to get a sense of what job may fit or may not. And if you're not sure of that job, talk to other people. Now, this might be people in different fields. Even if you say, well, I know the field I want to be in and I'm there, but you're not sure where you want to wind up, what type of role, where you want to go in that particular direction, talk to people down some of those paths and ask them, tell me about your job. What do you like? What don't you like? What's the part no one knows about that's not in the job description? What do you recommend for someone who wants to pursue your path? And you're going to hear things such as, oh, you spend half your day in meetings. Then you're going to say, that sounds great, or that sounds horrible. That's going to help you decide if that's the type of path that you want. So start by these questions. Once you have a sense of where you want to go, just like with a project plan, you don't just say, well, step one and step 12. But wait, let's figure out those 10 steps in between. And I recommend going from that final result and backtracking. So for example, I'm a CTPO, a chief technology product officer. And I knew early on that's what I wanted to be. But no one was going to say, well, Mark, okay, you're a software engineer. So now we're going to put you in charge of 100 people. Who knows if I could do that? But if I've run a team of 70 or 80 people, well, running a team of 100 seems reasonable. Or maybe I started at 70 and we grew to 100. Well, how do I run a team of 70 people? I'll need to have run a team of 40 or 50 people. And before that, maybe 20 people. And before that, maybe 6 or 10. And so I have to recognize along the way, it's not just where are the job titles, but what are the responsibilities? What are the achievements I need to get me to where I want to go? Now, I picked running team size as an arbitrary example. It could be all sorts of different things. But when you think about what you need for that final set, that ideal job you want down the road, we can back out what are the steps along the way? What are the milestones you need to reach to get there? Right, Mark. In fact, uh, I just wanted to ask you, and I also want to ask you about your, you know, highly illustrious uh, education and then your career. It means that itself is, you know, it's like somebody's life or career chart itself can give a lot of learning to anybody out there. So yours is one, and we'll certainly talk about that. But before that, when does one start, uh, you know, building a career plan? Is it out of high school, first job, out of college? When? It is today. Wherever you are, it is today. Now, certainly, when we think about, we'll use that project analogy, if you have a two or three year project you're going to do, you don't just say, well, day one, we have to put a plan in place. You might spend a month doing some research, doing some planning. And it's okay if you're in high school, if you're in college, if you're in your early 20s, you might not be certain. And that's okay. Your plan doesn't have to be set. It doesn't have to be firm and concrete. It's something that evolves. But you do need to be thinking about it. And here's the key thing. You can change your plan at any point. So now here's something simple you can do right now. I'm going to ask you in a moment to pause this show for those who are listening on the replay. Come back, of course. But what I want you to do is pause, go to the calendar in your phone, and create a calendar event that says, think about my career, and set it to repeat every six months. 
And now come back to the show. And now that you've done that, what you've done is you said at least every six months, I'm going to sit down for 30 or 60 minutes and think about my career. If you think about this, okay, I'm asking for what, an hour or two a year to think about your career, which is probably an hour or two more than you've already been spending. And that's a tiny amount for something so vital to you. So now you have a regular cadence. And during those times, you can think about how am I doing? Where am I going? Do I need to update my plan? Should I be talking to other people? Who are those people? But you're going to have this regular check-in. And by the way, feel free to make it every three months or more often, whatever works for you. But at the very least, I would say every six months. Okay. So as you, as you said, who are those people? So who are those people? Who should one be talking about their career? Who could be their best uh, advisors or mentors? Everyone. You can get input from everyone. Now, certainly you probably want a few mentors or advisors who you have a long-term relationship with, but that doesn't mean you can't get input from other people. Ideally, it should come from your manager or people more senior in the company who have been further down the path and can help guide you, but it can come from peers. It can come from colleagues. It can come from friends. It can come from other people. Anyone can have insight. And in fact, even if they're not wiser than you in some sense of they are more senior and more experienced, when you talk to your friend and your friend says, you know, I think I want to move my career in this direction and here's why, you say, oh, I never thought of that before. I should think about that. Do I want something like that in my job or not? So you can really get ideas from anywhere. Now, unfortunately, managers in HR should be helping you on this path. Many don't. And so here's the important thing you need to take responsibility. Others can help you, but don't count on them, don't rely on them, and make sure you are driving your career because no one is more committed than you. Absolutely. Mark, uh, now uh, talking about people, you know, people do tend to take decisions or which do not work uh, in the longer run for ultimate satisfaction. A job satisfaction is also required, or they may have different vision about their life they want to make a career change or people who are who chose a particular industry that industry is not that lucrative or relevant today how do they go about changing their uh, you know their plan uh, changing their life job life uh, and their destiny obviously great question when it comes to a career pivot or a career shift right now, first and most importantly this is not a failure this is not something bad this, in fact, is something normal, and it can happen either intentionally or unintentionally. When I graduated MIT, the plan was become an engineer, become a CTO. I've done that. I did not plan to write a book and be a speaker and do all this. It was a side opportunity that came to me, and when it did, I said, I need to adjust my plan. I need to change it to take this into account. And just like our projects at work, how often do those work projects at halfway through the CEO comes in and says, hey, everyone, change of plans. We have a new goal. We have to shift directions. And what do you do? You update your project plan. So the same thing applies to our careers. So wherever you are, you want to say, well, here's where I am. And let's be honest about where you are. And that's not just, well, this is my title. What are your strengths? What are your accomplishments? What are your weaknesses? Okay, now where do you want to go? And we map that path from where you are to where you want to go. And usually going backwards, as we said before, and now decide, okay, if this is a job I want in 10 years, what are those intermediary steps and start to create a plan to achieve it? 
Now it might be your skills are immediately transferable. No problem, just switch industries. We see this a lot in finance, in software, in HR. On the other hand, it may be, you really do need industry experience here. And so you're going to have to take some intermediary job. Maybe it's a step back, or maybe it's a lateral move, or maybe it's not even completely in the industry you want, but gets you close to there. For example, if you haven't worked in health and wellness, and you're struggling to get a job in healthcare, maybe what you could do is find a job in, let's say, the fitness industry. That's not as regulated. It's not as kind of rigorous in terms of the domain knowledge that you need. So you get into fitness, which is adjacent to healthcare. And so it's an intermediary step that gets you there. I think of it like leaping across stones in a river. You might not be able right. to do the big jump. You jump to that intermediary and then get to the one you want to. Absolutely. Right, right. Mark, uh, one would be very interested in how you plan your career. You have achieved so much and you do so much today. You are an MIT instructor today. You are a speaker. You have just written a book and we'll certainly talk about that book, you know, which is going to be very uh, useful for people. Essential skills for success that no one taught you. Obviously, people would like to know things that no one taught, taught them, including me. So, can you talk about your career chart? How did you plan it yourself? Great question. When I came out of school, I started out as a software engineer. And honestly, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. In fact, all I knew is I didn't want to work for finance for a big bank. I didn't want to work for big tech, which at the time was Microsoft and AT&T and IBM. And I didn't want to work for a consulting company. Like, well, three things I don't want, but that's not good. I need to find what I do want. I took a job at a startup. This was back in the 90s by default, by not really being sure. But that's okay. Early in your career, it's okay to explore a little and try something out. In fact, I tell my students, for a summer job, take what you think you don't want. Because then you can explore it and say, oh, yeah, didn't like that. You only lost a That's summer. interesting, Mark. Sorry to interrupt that. Take something that you don't want, and that's the... Exactly. Because you spend eight, 10 weeks. And if you hate it, good. You know, it was not a big commitment. So I found startup companies and realized this is where I belong. This is a fit. Okay, that's great. And I was a software engineer. I didn't have a lot of direction at first, but then quickly figured out what I wanted to do, which was to become a CTO, a chief technology officer. And now I'm a CTPO, chief technology product officer. Once I figured that out, that's when I said, I have to create that plan. That's when I looked at what is it a CTO does. And it's not just about being the best engineer. That's when I realized there were all these other skills, leadership, communication, networking, negotiation, team building. No one ever taught them to me. So I looked at the skills necessary and where I was, and I saw this gap. I said, okay, I'm not just going to go from engineer to CTO. I need to fill in that gap. And so I was intentional in my development. Now, some of that was on my own reading. We didn't have podcasts, but I would have listened to podcasts back then, taking classes or taking some jobs because they would expose me to things. For example, I knew I wanted to get better at marketing. So I explicitly looked for jobs at marketing companies where I learned a little from osmosis, from just being around marketing people, from learning the industry by being part of it. So I was very intentional with the steps I took. Now, I mentioned early on, I also had this unexpected turn, which is what brought me here. When I was developing these skills myself, I also wanted to develop them in my team. 
because these skills help everyone and your right. whole team is more effective if they have the skills too. So I began to upskill my team. And as I was doing this, MIT found the same thing. These are the skills companies are asking for, but they're not getting. So MIT wanted to put together a program. I said, well, you know, I've developed some material. I'm happy to give it to you. Please use, enjoy. I thought that'd be the end of it. Instead, they said, well, please help us really create some more content. And then please help us teach. I said, okay, sure, I'll do it. It wasn't part of my career plan, but wasn't necessarily a, a lot of extra commitment for me. I already had a lot of the content and it just worked out. And year after year, I got more and more into it and led me down this side path. In addition to my career as a CTPO, I have the book and speaking. So we also, with all our plans, our project plans at work and our career plans, we need to be flexible. We need to keep our eye out for opportunities and adjust when we see them. How do you know how opportunities look? Obviously, one keeps an eye out to all those good things in life. But how does one know about opportunity? <laughs> That's, I guess, sounds easy, but very difficult to understand. You know, how do you do that? What's, what's your experience in that? You take a magic eight ball and you shake it up. Unfortunately, that, that's not very reliable. Yeah, yeah. The way I have done it is by being curious, by talking to lots of people, because it not only helped me with my career, but I would learn different things. I'd learn about their industries, learn about their careers. It didn't matter if their career had nothing to do with mine. When I talk, for example, to people in law, I am not going to be a lawyer. I'm not going to work for a big law firm, right. but that's okay. I hear stories about what are the challenges they face? What are the opportunities? What are the unexpected things? And you start to see patterns. You start to see, hey, that wasn't for my industry, but I see a similar opportunity to what was disruptive over there or when their company was undergoing a change and they saw, let's say during a merger, there was confusion and they were able to step up and promote their career. Well, my company is now going through a merger. There's some confusion. Can I apply some of those techniques to my current opportunity? So be curious, listen to other people, and then look for those patterns in your career in front of you. Very well said, Mark. It was not an easy question. You know, it's no question at all, but something which everybody has to grasp themselves and understand themselves in their lives. But still, you have put it, uh, put some shape to that, that be curious. And that's most important thing in life. You know, so many things uh, are, uh, if you are curious, you understand and apply them wherever it is possible in your life. Now, coming to your book, uh, Mark, the most important part is that uh, the career toolkit, essential skills for success that no one taught you. How did this begin and what it is all about? And do tell us about that no one else has ever told us. As I mentioned, when we created this class at MIT, we had looked and found these were the skills companies want time and again in surveys by universities, MIT and others, but also different industry groups. They say, these are the skills we want to see. I'll run through them in a moment. And yet we're yep, not yep. teaching them. And these are universal. These apply no matter what stage you're at in your career. They apply no matter what your industry is. They also apply, by the way, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you're going to need many of these skills as well. So I took these skills and put them together in a book 10 chapters, 10 skills. Now, before I go through them, it's a little different than other books in that you don't have to read it in order. You can jump right to chapter nine, negotiating, 
and then go back to chapter four, leadership, if that's the order in which you want to develop these skills. You don't have to go in order. You can just pick it up, read a single chapter, put it down. It is a toolkit. Pick up the tool when you need it, put it down when you need to use another. Each chapter, while they stand alone, they do reinforce each other. We do talk about how the skills can be used in the other domains. And each chapter also begins with a mental shift, how to think differently about the skill, and then concrete, specific, actionable things you can do to get better at the skill, followed by next steps if you want to go further. So there's 10 chapters in three sections. Chapter one, careers. Excuse me, section one, careers. So chapter one, how to create and execute a career plan. We've talked about some of the things in the chapter, but there's a lot more. Chapter two, working effectively. Things like managing your manager, understanding corporate culture. Chapter three is interviewing. Now there's lots of material on how to be a candidate. There's very little on how to interview other people. And yet many of us have to do that and we do it with no training. So that's an important overlooked skill. The second section, leadership and management. There's a chapter on leadership. And then there's two on management, the people side and the process side of management. And by the way, these skills are not just for people with certain titles for directors and VPs. These skills apply to everyone because even as a junior person, even if you're just a summer intern, you're still leading and managing people. Those are the skills they want to see. You're just not commanding other people. But when you work with others, you use these techniques. And then the final section, interpersonal dynamics, that includes communication, networking, negotiating, and ethics. And those are the 10 skills we see time and again that companies want. Right, right. Mark, tell us uh, how what does one get that book? Where do you, where does one get that book? You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com, and you can see where to buy it. Amazon, of course, but local bookstores, some of them do carry it. You can get the ebook on Amazon and on Apple. In theory, it's at Barnes and Nobles, but I haven't been able to get the ebook through them before. So you can go to my website and find it. Also on my website, you'll find a number of other resources. I mentioned some of them, such as the questions in chapter one. There's a lot of other free resources there. There's additional blog posts. There's ways you can get in touch with me. And of course, it also links out to the app, which is a companion to the book. Yes, yes. I, I was about to ask you, you have created an app for the book. Normally, people uh, don't do that much. Uh, tell us about it a bit more. How can make one make an app and make the best use to promote their book? How does it work? When we read a book, how often is it you read the book, you put it down, and two weeks later, you've forgotten 95% of what you've read? Right, right. That's not good for anyone. You invested time. And now you've lost a lot of the time you put in. As an author, my job isn't just, oh, please buy these pieces of paper. It's to help you think and improve and do better. And that's not going to happen if you forget what I put in the book. Now, I know you're going to forget. I forget it too. I read books and boy, I wish I had more material. I take notes, which is rare. But even when I take notes, I don't really look back at them unless I'm writing a book and then I reference them. So what could I do to help people better retain this? And I took a couple ideas that I knew from media, from technology, from education. So we use the concept of spaced repetition. And the way the app works, it's completely free from Android and iPhone. It's called the Career Toolkit app. When you download it, it has the tips from the book as if you went through with a highlighter. And you can use it one of two ways. 
One way might be, oh, I'm walking into a networking event. What were those tips Mark gave me? I read the book six months ago. I'm going to open it up and, okay, get those tips, flip through them. Now I can walk into the room. The other way is, of course, you want to retain it. You don't want to do that kind of crash course. So you can set the app so every day at a time you want, you get a pop-up notification with one of the tips. Just pops up. You look, oh, well, that's a good tip. Yeah, okay, I'll remember that. Swipe, done. Takes two or three seconds a day, and it helps keep it top of mind. It's going to help you retain it. So we created the app for my book. And since it's been out, I've had so many other authors come to me. So we want this for our book. We also created the Brain Bump app, also completely okay. free on the Android and iPhone stores. And with the Brain Bump app, it has the content for my book. It also has content from other books, other podcasts, other blogs, other talks. We can support multiple pieces of content. You just download, I'm looking at these books, whether you've read it and want to retain it or you want to explore it, you can get highlights from books and podcasts and other content and that's going to help you retain it. So there's the Career Toolkit app and there's the Brain Bump app. Brain Bump you can get from Cognosco Media, C-O-G-N-O-S-C-O media.com. So the Brain Bump app and the Career Toolkit app, both completely free on the Android and iPhone stores. Right, right. I'll try and put a bit of that in the YouTube description so that people can connect with you uh, better and quickly. Mark, I just wanted to understand uh, from you that who can use this book better? Who is it for? The book is for office workers of most any age. Now, certainly we tend to target younger workers, 20 to 40, people who are finishing up university, new to the office, mid-career. But I've had many readers in their 40s, even 50s say, wow, this is great. I wish I had this 20 years ago, but it's still useful today. I can still employ some of these tips and do better in my job and move forward faster. It's also useful for managers and HR because often we want to upskill our teams. In fact, today, especially when we hear about employee turnover and lack of engagement, you want to better engage your teams and upskill them. So on that resources page I mentioned at the careertoolkitbook.com slash resources, the first download is the development program. And with the development program, it shows you how you can use my book and get people to be better engaged, upskill them, improve their internal networks, so improve the relationships they have with their employees, and create a common language that helps to improve communication within your organization all of that completely free using this program. Now you can use my book and I break down how you can take parts of my book to achieve certain goals. You can do the whole book, but you can say, well, for our new hires, we want to use these pieces. For annual review, we want to use those pieces or these for new managers. And by the way, if you don't want to use my book, no problem. You can use other books. You can use content you find online. It could be articles, videos. You can use a great podcast or show like this one. The key is when you give people this content, you have them discuss it, discuss it to get a deeper understanding of what's being explored. And that's going to help with your engagement and upskilling. Right, Mark. Right. Lots of learning from you straightway from a MIT instructor, no less than that. So, Mark, one last question that I have for you is uh, the essential skills for success that no one taught you. In a nutshell, if you have to you know, leave one particular thing that people 
must remember in terms of a skill, what would that be? It's not any one skill, but I'll give you this example. Suppose right now you are 30 years old and you have a job offer. Let's say for $60,000. I'm going to do US dollars just to keep it simple. Yeah. If you learn to negotiate, you read my chapter on negotiation, or you learned it for another book, that's fine too. Instead of taking that job for $60,000, you go and negotiate and you get $61,000. That's not a lot. We can all imagine you can get from 60 to 61. It takes you five or 10 minutes of talking on the phone or a few emails. You get $1,000 more. If you do nothing else in your career, you stay there for the next 30 years until you retire. Those five minutes of negotiating just got you $1,000 more for 30 years. In five minutes, you just got $30,000. And when you think of it that way, you say, oh my God, why am I not negotiating? That's easy money. Now, of course, you're saying, but wait a second, I'm not going to be in a job for 30 years. And you're right. You will have raises and promotions and other jobs, and it's going to be more than a $1,000 bump. If you learn to negotiate, not about being the world's best negotiator, just getting a little bit better, you can add tens of thousands of dollars, even hundreds of thousands of dollars to your lifetime earning. Now, I use negotiation as an example because we can do the math, but the same applies to any of these skills. No one's going to say, oh, you're a slightly better communicator, here's $1,000 more but you will stand out, you will get promoted faster, you will be put on the key projects and it will help you advance, which will have financial gain for you. So all of these skills, the key is don't worry about being the best in the world or getting to the top, getting just a little bit better at each and any of these skills is going to have a huge impact on your career. And that's what you need to focus on. Wonderful, keep getting better just to be better don't have to be the best but just be a bit better each day as it comes exactly thank you so much mark for your time thank you so much indeed thanks for having with this me. with this it's a wrap on this edition of the kg masterclass live thank you very much once again